I'm Aunt Kelly Anakin. And I'm Molly Uff Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about The Handmaid's Tale. And we're all out of birth control. Thanks, Trump. This is Red All Over, your handy Handmaid's Tale recap. Blessed be the fruit. All right. We're back. Episode number one. Yeah. Other than the teaser. Well, that was like a prologue, you know? Yeah. That was like, chunk, chunk. <laughs> and then this is like, oh, what's this dead body doing <laughs> here? I didn't see nothing. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Perfect. Law and order jokes are my favorite jokes so of good. all time. <laughs> wow. Um, anyway, speaking of law and order, I mean, that is what The Handmaid's Tale is about. Oh, my so goodness. So we're covering uh, the first four sections. Mm-hmm. This is one of those books where like there's chapters, but then also there's another thing. Yeah, I'm having trouble because I'm reading it out loud to my man master Mitchell, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> I, I'm having trouble because I'll be like, "Oh, chapter five, night, chapter fourteen, like, wait, what?" <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like what even like a like a mega chapter. Yeah, I've just been like not saying it. Let's call them mega chapters. Mega chapters. Um, so you will know this from the show notes, mm-hmm. but it is night shopping night and waiting room mm-hmm. uh yeah so it's about uh, most of the sections are about 100 pages long except for uh the third section which is much longer because it is where things actually begin to happen shit gets real in the so third section of this book we were talking about the fact that this book like literally nothing happens for the yeah. first half of the book like yeah. I still enjoy it, but it's like, oh, my God, it's straight up just world building. Totally, which I really appreciate about it because I have a hard time with fantasy that, like, throws you into the middle of the world and kind of doesn't explain anything I to agree, you. and I just, I love world building. Like, I think yeah, I love I'm world building it. way more than I love plot. <laughs> like, if, if something has bad world building, I get so annoyed, and I'm like, I either, like, I'm like, I'm going to stop writing this, or, like, I will just never shut up about how bad the world building is. What's an example of bad world building, you think? Oh, God. Okay, so, uh, I don't know if this is still true, because I reread the book a second time, and I really liked it, but there's a book called America Pacifica by Anna mm. North, who used to write for Jezebel.com. Oh, I like her. I think she was the, no, I'm thinking of Anna Holmes. Um, anyway, I, I don't know. Jezebel is the her I'm referring to. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I know so many of the writers from Jezebel's names. Um, so it's, it's this thing like it's apocalyptic fiction. Cause I don't oh. think I really read anything else to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. Like that's my whole jam. Uh, but it is this chick who lives on this Island called America Pacifica. That's made of garbage. And the oh. world building is not Island. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, except it's farther away. Okay, got it, got it, got um, it. But it just, like, it doesn't quite all hang together. Mm. Um, anyway, it happens. Okay. It so happens sometimes that world building world is, building. when when world building, when world building goes bad. <laughs> um, we call that world burning building. Oh, dear. That sounds <laughs> messy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we're going to start with the uh, sort of the preface. Yeah. Or like well, the the inscription, I don't know what you even call it. Maybe the epitaph. An or epitaph, not, the epigram, epigram. Yeah, I was gonna say epigram. Epita- I epitaph is afterward because it's like when you die. Okay, sorry, my okay. bad. It's god. like it's like later in the book they talk about an epigraph. Oh my epitaph, god, shut up! And it's like and hope. <laughs> shut up! Oh my god. So then. not in front of the podcast. <laughs> sorry, god, okay, I love you. Right, I love you so much. Oh. I like how we both turned in Maria Bamford. 
Um, <laughs> okay, you guys. Uh, Maria Bamford and we're going to talk about the handmaid's tale. my house. <laughs> I, I put the bench there. Oh. If you guys don't know who Maria Bamford is, like, fix it. Fix it. Fix it. Don't, fix it. I would say don't fix it with Lady Dynamite. Because that's like diving into the deep end of Maria Yeah, Bamford, and I didn't think it was that great. <gasps> Thank God. I didn't think it was either. I thought it was like, look, man, I'm, and I'm a white person, so I can <laughs> say this, okay? I really don't like it when other white people are like, oh, I'm going to talk about racism. Like, no, you're not. And you're not going to add anything interesting in the conversation because you're too busy benefiting from your white privilege. I think I just, it was another example of something where it's like, ah, there's a lot of good stuff here. I just can't find a foothold on yeah. anything. So I mean, I you know, I watched the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> some stuff of it was good. <laughs> some of plenty of things I like. Good. <laughs> some of plenty of things <laughs> is good. That's a callback to my other podcast, <laughs> Up Yours Downstairs. <laughs> What's your other podcast, Molly? It's called uh, Failure to Launch. Okay, great. Subscribe to both, please. <laughs> Yeah, do it. Do it. Succumb uh, to peer pressure. So we're going into the epigram, I guess, of the book. Does your book have this? Yeah, it does. We have two different copies of the you book. You have the mass market. I have the trade paperback. Uh, yeah, this is... It, it used, used to, to belong, belong to, to Lisa Jacquel. Lisa Jacquin. So Maybe? Lisa Jacquin, we hope you're still with us. Yeah, we, we hope they we, haven't um, dragged you away uh, to the colonies. We have your book. Thank you for letting Kelly read your book. <laughs> what is s- s- says for Mary Webster and Perry Miller? Didn't do research on who those were. I don't care who they are. <laughs> That's Margaret Atwood's business. None of ours. It's up to her. Okay, so you have it. Okay. So the first bit is a quote from Genesis, which gives the story that gets rehashed um, later in the book about uh, Rachel and Jacob and her handmaid Leah. Uh, told to great effect in another book I like, which is called The Red Tent by, by Anita Diamante. Diamante. Are these just Diamante? Diamante. Diamante. I met her one time. What did she say it was? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> she said, just to get, so we clear the air, it's Diamante. I went, it was no at, A. It was at this place in San Francisco called The Kitchen, which is a, um, like a Jewish community. Oh. So I went after their Shabbos and she was giving a talk on mikvahs. Oh. Which was very, it was very good. It was like, I, like I really that. enjoyed it. It was great. Well, you should definitely read, if you like that book and were like, what other red literature about ladies yeah. and periods can I read? That's Definitely read. One. Oh man. Oh god, that book. Oh. I read that, I book, that book also too. when I was in high school, and I don't think I still own that book, which is insane. I need to repurchase need to. that it's book. It's really great. Oh no, there it is. I'm like looking at my bookshelf right now. It's still there, right next to Ragtime, Ooh, which yeah. is surprisingly not about periods. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that one surprised old Molly Sanchez. <laughs> Try to get one over on you, but every <laughs> once in a while. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, read the red tent, people. It's so, so good. So that and this quote talk about the idea of the biblical family, Jacob's family, who the matriarch of which Rachel couldn't. And it's not, I think this is, because this is confusing me, because this seems like different from what the red tent says. So in the red tent, it's the idea that Rachel is scared to make love to Jacob, so she sends in That's her true. So, and I think that it has some biblical... Um, biblical leaning behind it so i don't know for sure well but, but i think the, the point like is the point is that leah was his wife and rachel was his wife and rachel was his favorite wife so he was like oh. how come you aren't getting pregnant so but Bilha then she got bilha and the I reason that it. she Never i mean mind. that is what um 
Abraham's wife Sarah did as well. Right. She sent Hagar to Abraham oh. to get a child because God was like, hey, listen, dudes, you two are super old, right? Right. But like <laughs> you are totally going to have a baby Ooh. and your baby uh, is going to be the father of the father of like the nation of Israel. Right. And they were like, God, you tripping. <laughs> um, but God was not tripping. <laughs> God was correct. <laughs> This is the, this welcome is, back to God wasn't tripping. Uh, today we discuss. This is the Torah according to <laughs> Kelly Anakin. Um, so God was like, eh, just sit tight, yeah. ba- baby's coming. Even though you guys are like really old, yeah. But Sarah was like, ah, I think God is tripping a little bit, just a smidge. As the owner of this old ass <laughs> vagina, let me tell She's you, God's like, tripping. For serious, I have not had a period Help. in so long. Although in Bible years, she could have been 37. That is you know? true. Anyway, but she was like, Here, here's Hagar. Mm-hmm. Um, bone down and see what happens. So Hagar did get pregnant, gave okay. birth to Ishmael. Don't look at me. Yes, it was Ishmael. I ate Lifesavers during church. And colored. <laughs> I don't oh, know God, that sounds on. great. It was pretty awesome. My church was terrible. Oh, boy. Um, uh, anyway. So a similar thing is going on here with yeah. uh, Rachel and, and Bilha. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And then the second quote in here is from a modest proposal, which is so funny because it is a book. A modest proposal is about eating babies for fuel in times of trouble. And the Handmaid's Tale is about making babies for fuel in times of trouble. I love a modest proposal because it is a slam on Catholics. Oh, yeah. And they taught it in my Catholic school. (laughs) Um, but you know, cause the whole premise is, oh, Hey, not the whole thing, but like part of it is cause it's like, uh, yeah, this is great because on Fridays, you know, Catholics don't eat meat. So right. like they don't have to eat babies on Friday, but right. um, it's so, it's so funny. It's and so remember, funny. Like that was an acute moment in my high school where I was like, oh, I'm the only person paying attention, huh? Cause I was like cracking mm-hmm. up in my English class reading this and everybody else was like, what are you laughing at? There's nothing funny here. I'm like, this is all hilarious. I had that moment so many times. <laughs> I still have that moment. Oh my God. Like too. I was the only person who laughed all the way through black Swan. <laughs> I was too busy praying for lesbian shit to happen. And then lesbian shit happened. That's, that's my power. Some of my favorite, like that's some like push me over the edge to have an orgasm. Girl, lesbian shit in that movie. Definitely. Cause I'm like, Oh, Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Mila. Yes. What's up? Into it. Yeah. So into it. Oh, it's so good. So into it. But I saw that movie three times in the theaters. <laughs> really? <laughs> I love Darren Aronofsky. Like yeah. Requiem for a Dream is a movie that I have watched like 45 times. Ooh. Everybody gets so upset when I tell them. <laughs> but it's like, come on. It's uh. great. <laughs> I've never seen it and will likely never see it. I don't think you'd like it. I don't think I'm going to watch I, it. I, I just love looking at horrible shit. Wow. Well, this book should be no surprise to you. No, because like, everybody's like, oh, the Handmaid's Tale trailer is so terrifying. And I'm like, have you ever seen the South Park where they do lay, Mi- like, the guy who played Jean Valjean in Les Mis uh, is helping them put on the Helen Keller musical? No. Oh, my God. You have uh. to watch it. But, like, so this guy is, like, helping Cartman, mm-hmm. like, direct it. And he comes in and he's like, oh, sometimes, you know, close your eyes and see what creative uh-huh. uh, stuff comes in your head. And it's just like... <laughs> image after image of just horrible 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 things and uh like cartman opens his eyes and the guy's like well how did it go and cartman's like and eh, just same shit i always do when i close my eyes and that's pretty much my approach to entertainment that's so funny yeah well uh, yes you and uh jonathan swift had the same kind of idea 
Um, but I think it's very funny because he his is framed as a modest proposal when it's something horrific, uh, the same way that The Handmaid's Tale, the whole, you know, um, the, the idea of Gilead is so frightening and extreme, but it seemed to them like just this is just how we can fix it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last one is a Sufi proverb, which I have no way to reconcile with it, except for the in the desert, there is no sign that says thou shalt not eat stones. I think it's saying do what you got to do, bitch. Yeah. If you're living it, among yeah. stones, have you tried eating one? That's a great plan. Yeah. I've okay. been to Garden of the Gods. Delicious. <laughs> Garden of the Gods is a like huge like bunch of rock formations in Colorado. Oh wow! Yeah, it's outside of Boulder, I think. Oh, I don't know. So it's like slightly smaller boulders. Yeah, <laughs> I love Colorado. Yeah, yeah. I almost moved there. Really? Yeah, but I didn't. Oh, it's a good well, story. Back. It's a good story. <laughs> wow! Oh my God! Taylor's oldest time. <laughs> Kelly moved to Colorado. Dude, don't even. We cannot even get started on oh, Beauty and the girl, Beast. Don't. I can't. That's another podcast. <laughs> I cannot, girl. Stop it. All right, let's get to chapter uh, section one. Mega chapter one. Mega chapter one. Mega chapter one. Chapter one. Mega chapter one. So chapter yeah, but I mean, we can just like we can we can kind of free form. I don't know. I don't Let's know what free you form. Can. Who cares? So like this is in what I don't think we find out until the actual mm. epilogue is the Rachel and Leah Center for Education or something like that. Ah, yes. Uh, but because I think they mostly just call it the center. Yes. Um, which ah, it's so great. Like just the sense you get immediately of like here, like I like she's so used to this mm-hmm. well and she's so outside of her own experience through the whole book mm-hmm. um i think the thing that they try to say though initially when they set the first chapter and they set the center in a gymnasium is that we're all used to this we've all been training for some kind of regimented life mm-hmm. our whole lives and some of us get farther away from it mm-hmm. and you know in times of trouble i mean think about where they put people during natural disasters it's always it's always in, in a gymnasium or gymnasiums or things like that so like we're just something terrible away from returning into hyper regimented life i think that's why i like apocalyptic fiction so much mm-hmm. even though i do not believe i would survive <laughs> any apocalypse <laughs> like no apocalypse i need to do more push-ups just in general oh, although and then like i have this these two boxes of contacts that like i hate but like I'm just keeping them around, just in case, right? I just, ah, it's not, it's not okay, guys. I make too many decisions to keep things or throw them away based on whether or not I might find them useful in an apocalypse. When I was little, I was convinced that some major accident would happen that would separate my bathroom from my house mm. and like strand me inside my bathroom. That would be a great horror movie. Right? Like, so, But if it was, like, metaphysical? So I would hide stuff in the bathroom because <gasps> I was so convinced oh my God. that this would happen. This is like, oh, how come you're an adult and you're just now thinking maybe you need medication for anxiety? Yeah. It's like, this has been no, happening my entire life. But I'm the life. same way. Like, I went through a pretty, uh, a pretty rough time earlier this yeah. year. And, like, so much of, like, what came back to me was, like, why... Why did my parents not put me in yeah. therapy? I was psychotic. Totally. I know. I but know. in only the way that girls are, where they internalize it yes. and make themselves crazy. Uh, that's 1,000% what it is, is girls just don't say anything. Well, because... Or girls having, like, leaning towards, like, wanting to be on time or, like, wanting to yeah. be prepared. 
even uh, if it's like in a manic sense is not seen as a bad thing it's seen like oh she, she's doing what she's supposed to do yeah like we're supp- like because you know and it's not that like y- some some person some man could murder you yeah for failing to do the correct thing totally and like i'm pretty self-possessed yeah but i've been in a number of terrible relationships right where i don't like i can't get out of that mindset right. where like i have to do the things that will make him right okay with me right which is and a, it's a not mindset. even like it's not even like making like making him happy it's like i need to i need for him to not actively punish me you know what? what's funny is that is something i think you know abused or not women all women have mm-hmm. at some point which is why there's so many times in the handmaid's tale where men do something awful to a woman i'm thinking specifically we're getting way far ahead but like of the i'm assuming nobody's listening to this <laughs> who hasn't read the book like yeah so uh, it came out in 1989 people yeah, you've had time <laughs> what have you been doing but i'm thinking specifically of the moment when the doctor propositions her yeah and she has to set boundaries because she's worried that she'll die if mm-hmm. she lets him rape her essentially yeah um but she also has to make sure to be polite to him because she's like he's still a threat you know he could still say he could tell people i have cancer Mm -hmm. and then they'd kill me still you know so having to be polite to people who hurt us just to maintain Mm -hmm. face is such a womanly uh like burden but also like a socially imposed burden yeah it's a survival instinct like it's or a tactic like it's not you know it's not a choice yeah I've been doing it my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't even smell it anymore. <laughs> the fear. Isn't it lovely? JK, I smell all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, and this is just them. They're all in it's, there, they're and they're, they're trying to tell each other their real names. Right. And you don't even know what is really happening. Like, you get it? Like, it just, you're, th- you're thrown, and this is the appropriate amount of a speculative work of fiction or a science fiction mm-hmm. book where like you can be like oh my god I t- yeah <sighs> it reminds me of um of slaughterhouse five in that way that it just time is so um fluid irrele- fluid here i've yeah. never read slaughterhouse five it's good i love i love kurt vonnegut and I, I think it's pretty good it's not my favorite kurt vonnegut what's book? your favorite kurt vonnegut uh my favorite Kurt Vonnegut book is Cat's Cradle. Mine is Hocus Pocus. Oh, I haven't read that one yet. Oh, it's really good. But I know I like I also read Cat's Cradle. I like, yeah. I can like Cat's Cradle, Sirens of Titan, um, Galapagos. I love all those ones. But the one that I think plays most with time fluidity that I've read is uh, Slaughterhouse And that's Five. the one that's about World War II, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, girl. Oh, <laughs> girl, which, which Vonnegut book isn't about World War II? That's a really good point. Like much life. like which Roald Dahl book is not about World War Two. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so Slaughterhouse Five does that where it kind of drifts in and out of different times very fluidly without kind of explaining. So mm-hmm. I I'm I'm feeling sympathy for Mitch because I can't believe that he can like listen to me read it because mm-hmm. unless I was looking at the page, I would have trouble figuring out who is speaking most of the time. Uh so yeah, so this goes between the people who used to go to this high school and the handmaidens who now live there. Yeah, and it's just like, what? Mm-mm. It's creepy. Yeah. And then we go on to the next right. mega chapter. Oh, wait. Uh, oh. One thing, one yeah. interesting thing to note that I learned from that uh, Margaret Atwood article. Yeah. So they'd say the, the names of the women that are whispered between the beds, and they're Alma, Janine, Dolores, Moira, 
June. So in that article, she says, which I think is hilarious, she's like, fans have told me that they know that the main character name in this book is June because that's the only name that is mentioned once. And Margaret Atwood straight up says, she's like, I didn't intend that, but I guess that's fine. Like, Margaret Atwood don't care what her name is. She don't that's care. That's not the point of this book. But if you choose to read it, because indeed June is the name that's I never mean, mentioned again. It's interesting if you subscribe to that theory because what comes after may (laughs) that's what i love about authors though um especially whose works get super analyzed yeah they're like sure fuck it yeah they're like it took me so long to write that i don't think about it anymore i honestly i prefer that kind of attitude versus jk rowling being like yeah i always thought hermione was black totally definitely yeah hermione has been black uh, this whole last time dumbledore is like so gay like he's the gayest like, I, he's never had icky sex with men but he's like so gay. no he's like soaps gay yeah totally <laughs> you're right yeah the hermione is black thing bothers me not because it would bother me if hermione is black but mm-hmm. because i know for like a fact that jk rowling didn't mean her to be that and is now going backwards which i don't think is bad because i think she's doing it well intendedly but she says in the book, she points out black characters, meaning that white yeah. is the default. So, like, you can't be like, oh, black or mighty. Whoa, 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 whoa. White is the default? <laughs> Excuse me. You've just shattered my world. <laughs> For the record, very pro-black Hermione. Although, you know very what? Very pro-J.K. Rowling. Just, I don't think she originally intended that. I would like to say, when I first read um, The Hunger Games, I didn't know that Rue was black. Yeah, because so, that, that book doesn't point out race as much. It d- kind like she describes like the color of skin, but like mm-hmm. in a way that's like vague. And I mean, like I read that book, like I read that book at a night, like I just like tore yeah. through it, so I wasn't paying attention. So like when all those people were, like were like, "Oh, Rue's black," but like I didn't like I I empathized with yeah. them to the point where I was like, I did not know. Yeah. But then I was like, well, she clearly like if you go back and really like read it closely, like oh, she was clearly yeah black totally. And anyway. I don't have a problem with people doing adaptations where the characters are different races because i think there's a point when the book doesn't belong to the creator anymore i didn't get and i don't follow jk rowling that closely because i'm older than you right and i don't care (laughs) um though i do always get sorted into gryffindor Uh, i could buy that i don't like it i want to be a ravenclaw they live (laughs) gryffindors are always doing something stupid like dying Ugh. anyway (laughs) But, um, so I just, I just can't with her. I'm like, with let, Rowling? yeah, I'm like, let it go. <laughs> like that song was like legit written about you. Yeah. Like you need to do something like, I'm sorry that your dumb other book that you wrote was stupid, but yes. like, just sit on your piles of money. Like, do you need more money? I am excited for the next non Potter thing she does because I really didn't care for her mystery books, but I think she's so smart and so savvy on Twitter and so just genuinely very funny and cool so Which i'm excited me back to my point about what she said about hermione because i mean you know i didn't read it as she intent like she was black the whole time just because what i saw was like oh i just said she has bushy hair yeah like i Which read it certainly could be but yeah i read it at, but i think you have a good point where mm-hmm. it's like but i mean she was like oh i think it was vague like you know it's yeah. vague enough but it, you know it read to me like a like a smart after the fact thing to say but you know yeah. we can we can agree to disagree on, yeah. on jk yeah. JK. JK. Rowling. JK. JK Rowling. JK. Okay, so the next chapter is entitled Women Be Shopping. <laughs> I think you mean handmaids be shopping. Oh, yeah. Because they are the only ones that shop. So in this chapter, we start getting into some stuff. <laughs> and by stuff, I mean the plot. 
Oh yeah, that. Interesting. When when do we actually learn her name? So we don't learn her name until page eighty three. Wow. In my version, I circled it because uh, I it says her name on the back of the book. So I think I have always gone into this book knowing that she knowing was Offred. Her name is Offred. Eighty four. Eighty four. Uh, so not for chapters and chapters. Um, well, let's go ahead and address the conceit. Yeah, that which her is name that is. her name is Alfred because she is the property essentially of a man named Fred, right? <laughs> um, and his wife, kind, yeah. We're gonna get into it. Wives can't have property. Wives can't so. have property, but so yeah. so it's this it's this very strict patriarchal society, and everyone who has a role mm-hmm. is kind of named after a biblical character this is interesting so what is who is martha in the bible do you not know who martha is oh my goodness okay this is a fun story i know martha like martha stewart my favorite person but no i I didn't know know martha stewart was your favorite person maybe not my favorite favorite how did you feel when she went to prison i thought that she did the best she could with the bad situation and Mm -hmm. she came back with that kick-ass poncho and some street (laughs) smarts so i love her very much I always liked, um, I don't know if you ever saw this, but on Saturday Night Live, they did Martha Stewart's yes! Topless Christmas with Anna Gasteyer. I think it's really special. That's really this good. Is my, this is a dickie that I've made. <laughs> yeah, I used to do, I used to crack my mom up because there's a, a Christmas special with the actual Martha Stewart where she's baking pie with her niece, Sophie, mm-hmm. and not her pointedly not her daughter, Alexis. <gasps> oh my like God. I think she starts the special off by saying like, Alexis couldn't join us today, but we have my niece Sophie here to make pies with me. And she keeps complimenting Sophie, like in my mind to spite Alexis. She's like, Sophie, you make aunt Martha so happy. And it's like my favorite thing to think about. I have made (laughs) such a good choice to not have a child because it's like, I am not above that petty bullshit. (laughs) I know that I'm not. So who's Martha in the Bible? Okay. It's not Sophie's uh, Bible. So you're familiar with Lazarus? Uh, yes. Rose, uh, rose from the dead. Yeah. Jesus rose him from the dead. He didn't do that shit by himself. My bad. Credit where credit is due. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Blessed be the fruit. Blessed be the fruit under his eye. Uh, okay. So Martha and Mary okay. were Lazarus's sisters. And the story about Mary and Martha is that one day Jesus went to hang at their house. Lazarus wasn't there for some reason. Not because he was dead. This is a different <laughs> thing. He was getting cigarettes. Yeah. He was getting. That's why he died. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't smoke. Don't smoke. Um, even though it's great and it's all through this book. Uh, <laughs> it is. Reading this book as a fairly recent ex-smoker, I'm, oh, like, no. I'm like, oh my God, Ugh. they're smoking all the time inside Lee. even. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Martha and Mary had Jesus over okay. and Mary is like flipping out. Like Mary is like in the kitchen, like cooking up a storm and like cleaning and doing all these things. And Martha is just kneeling at Jesus's feet listening to jesus talk because that's jesus's favorite hobby is other people listening to him talk hey did you hear the one about that party i went to no tell me what happened i heard but i want to hear from you tell me tell me (laughs) um so finally jesus is like hey mary you move too fast you gotta make the moment last oh my god but he enjoyed uh mary's pot roast when she put it on the table the point is that you're supposed to want to be the martha and not worry about earthly things so that's what's weird about it is is that mary was the one who was doing the work and martha was the one 
I think, unless I have gotten them confused, no, but I don't think so. I think you are right because I heard a similar answer. Yeah, because there's two Marys and there's Mary Magdalene and there's Mary that Mary. That Mary. Or maybe it is Martha. No, well, no, no. I think you're right because I think I looked up Martha as a name and it says knelt at Jesus's feet. OK, great. But I didn't know the significance. Of well, that. the good news is somebody who's listening to this will correct us. <laughs> Okay, great. If you'd like to correct us, you can find us on Twitter. <laughs> uh, my handle is at Serious Molly. Mine is at the Fatling. Smooth, smooth plug. Yeah. Oh, oh just God. Mm, seamless. Oh. oh, I think I just came. Oh, I love marketing. <laughs> Uh, which is another word for shopping. That's right. Um, (laughs) Bringing it on back to town. Um, so that's why they're called Martha's. Okay. Um, even though it's confusing. Because it's like, okay, you're like supposed to mostly listen to Jesus, but also we're going to make you cook and clean because we can't call you Mary Martha because then that gets into, uh, 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 Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene, which is a film (laughs) that came out recently and they had not heard of at the time. Mary is a biblical figure who has children, right? So that, well, Mary, the Virgin Mary is, and the wives are clearly modeled on her. Oh, cause they're blue and they get children Mm -hmm. without having sex. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Unless you're an econo wife. Oh, which I have so many questions about, but oh my God, like their outfits sound horrible. First of all, ugh. It's like a combo of all the different colors because Martha's wear green, <laughs> that's handmaids it. wear red, and wives wear blue. And mm-hmm. so they are red, <laughs> blue, and green all over, Ooh. which just sounds, it sounds like a kid got into the watercolors yeah. and just went to town. No, thank you. And it's stripes, and too, it's which stripes. no one looks good in. <laughs> I, okay, I'm not going to totally agree with you. Oh, yeah? But you know these are unflattering stripes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely horizontal. I think if they're, you know, I think chunky i th- oh i just uh <laughs> who looks good in stripes that you're thinking of tiny um, french women yeah probably yeah okay they don't count i'm thinking of like my ideal like shakira probably looks well, great shakira in stripes would look good in a barrel come on <laughs> you can't use shakira as the example her barrel don't lie yeah <laughs> no fighting uh um so they talk this chapter is primarily about she's describing offred is describing the room that she's in she's kind of giving you a, uh, a oh the sinister thing that we get in this chapter is while she's describing the room she describes how it's been stripped of every uh killing implement mm-hmm. in like a prison sort of way so like they she's can't really even have not the killing type <laughs> uh, 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 uh. <laughs> i love that song i also love that song. Uh, this is also an amanda palmer podcast <laughs> this is now an amanda palmer podcast even though she, like she makes me mad sometimes i know but we're fine she Take once she once sang that song at my work before that album came out it was so dope wow that one and then i think she also sang want it back <sighs> i love those songs oh uh, uh, so was sponsored by amanda palmer's patreon <laughs> Anyway, so her room is like a prison cell in that it's been stripped of anything that you could be ingenious and kill yourself with, including the glass in the mirror, uh, the glass in the cupboard doors, the glass on the uh, p- over the painting, uh-huh. which is like the worst part. Like somehow that's the most horrifying. Totally. Because it's like paintings need glass. And it's alluded to, I think, that the last the very last woman to stay here killed herself. So that's yeah, we find that out later. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So wait a spoiler alert. Mall. Spoiler: Women do not do well in this book. <laughs> it's not fun for anybody. No. Uh, and so she describes her interactions. It's really short with her, 
and Rita and Cora, who are the other uh, women in the household. They are the Marthas. Staff, the so Marthas. they do all the cooking and cleaning. Mm-hmm. And then I think we meet Nick, who is the chauffeur. Mm, we meet him at some point no we don't oh yeah we do it's late it's later this is like i forget that this is a long chapter yeah these are the notes for the mega chapter too so right yeah so we meet nick who is the chauffeur uh and we meet serena joy who is the wife and she used to be like a televangelist Mm -hmm. who sang songs Mm -hmm. and um I love that when she realizes that it's like she's describing uh, realizing it was Serena Joy and she's like, so it was worse than I thought. Yeah, (laughs) that's I believe the last I thought that was the last line of this chapter, but I don't think it is. It's the last line in one of the chapters in this mega chapter. Well, anyway. Um, And then do you know the uh, significance of the city being called Gilead? I don't know that. Gilead is a biblical city soaked in blood. Oh my god! I didn't do any further research than that because I it's saw okay it because in blood and I was like, boom. Apparently, that's my only biblical blind spot because I was like, <laughs> duh, no why? I don't know what context. I just know that that is what that is. Um, I'm trying to think of what else is is significant here. Uh, we meet of Glenn, ah, who yes. or off Glenn. I'm gonna say off Glenn. I was corrected this week by a man <laughs> and told to say it of Glenn. How do you get a mansplain the Handmaid's oh my Tale? God, Kelly, he fucking mansplained that the would Handmaid's be, Tale. That would be a great podcast, though. Like uh, the Mansplain Tale. Oh my gosh, he did. <laughs> it, it is was... a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, <laughs> signifying nothing. Exactly. That was only. He's very woke. He's very lovely, but he did try to say like it's of as belonging to you should say of Glenn. it just doesn't flow i was like it doesn't though oh, oh no that <gasps> wasn't he mansplained me worse oh no god bless him oh, he's very no. he's just very smart and an active listener but he was like you know of glenn is real name i was like sweetheart it's not it's for this book he's like no 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 that's like a puritan name of glenn that it is it's like all right i'll sit here while you look it up but just trust me that's the naming convention in this book. It's not a real name. He's like, I'll look it up. Fucking it's not. So men, if you are listening and reading this, don't fucking come at me. Okay? Also, when we tell you that a thing is wrong, <laughs> usually we know what it is because we're trying to not get killed. <laughs> it's our job to be right so we don't die. <laughs> Uh, sorry, Mitch, but that was incorrigible. Um, <laughs> I love you very much, but come on, man. Listen, listen to you making him feel safe. Oh my God. You're a real um, of Mitchell. No. You know what? If you really were of Mitchell, he'd be like, it's off Mitchell. <laughs> it was a Puritan name. <laughs> true that. True that. That is accurate. Accurate. Very accurate. Oh. <sighs> Oh, we have fun. Um, <laughs> so we meet. So I think I worry we're going to liggity split I here. I think it's okay, though. I think you're right. Because, um, <laughs> I mean, this is only the first time we're going to delve into this subject matter. Yeah. And we'll I mean, have time to really sink in maybe other times. <laughs> Listen, it's just a podcast, Molly. You're right. People it's are listening to this podcast. on the toilet. We're like, doing this for fun. <laughs> that's right. Listen, I, women hold themselves to way too high. Like, <laughs> Literally, if a dude was doing a Handmaid's Tale podcast, he would fart in the microphone, be done, and think it was a genius podcast. 
You're right. I I cannot tell a lie. You are you are correct there. So the other significant thing that happens here, so they go shopping, and I think do they go to All Flesh? All yep. of the all of the stores now are basically there's no words on the signs because women are forbidden to read. So when yeah. you get meat, is All Flesh. Um, there's like milk and honey for like dairy and presumably honey. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think it's an All Flesh that they see. This woman named of Warren, mm-hmm. who Moira knew before as Janine when mm-hmm. they were at the original Mia Center. Right. And of Warren is hugely pregnant. Yeah. So all the handmaids are like, oh, hub, 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 hub. Yeah. She's pregnant. Like, everybody's like it. so excited. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we don't really know. It's weird, though, because it's like, I really wish I could read it again for the first time because it's such a slow reveal and i think that's why there's that feeling that nothing happens what do you mean is this like it's a slow the the actual yeah the actual system by which well and just like in the thing about the low birth rates and all of that stuff like that comes in later you're just like why it well it's like why is everybody being weird well it's so i think the first time they really mention it where you feel off about it is when they talk about in several chapters later when they talk about uh, the time someone almost steals off off Fred's daughter from mm-hmm. the supermarket, uh, and just the fact that somebody could be so desperate as to try to steal a baby in like broad daylight, yeah, uh, shows what. And they call they call babies a national resource, uh, and that's, that's what they were there. But I want to talk about something slightly earlier in the shopping chapter that is a lens I think is good to look at this whole book through, mm-hmm. and it's the idea. Um, They talk about freedom to and freedom from. In the days of anarchy, it was freedom to. Now you're being given freedom from. Don't underrate it. So she's talking about you had freedom to in the old days. Dress as any way you like. Mm -hmm. But now that we dress you like this and the rules are such, you have freedom from worrying about how you dress. But on a bigger level, you have freedom from worrying about I guess what she's saying and not saying is Aunt Lydia never says is, is rape. Mm-hmm. Like she she means you have freedom from being afraid of rape culture in a culture where you're just ritualistically. I raped. mean, I think I think you know it's it's freedom from sexual objectification. It's not yeah. freedom from rape. That's like that's true. And I think that the framers of Gilead don't make the distinction. Like I I think that they think it's the same thing. In, and well, I, it's, it it's, is the same thing. Yeah, to them. But to us, too, if you think about it, I mean, it's just it's it's by any other name. Mm-hmm. So we, you could even say, like, you have freedom to wear a low cut shirt. Oh, I can be like to rape someone. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> I never would. You have freedom to uh, do what you want. But you have to deal with the consequences. Yeah. So I don't know. But I think that's something we should always look at stuff to see. Like, is this an example of freedom to or freedom from? Because Margaret Atwood, I think, thinks they're the same thing, too, because she uses them kind of interchangeably mm-hmm. uh, in a couple of cases. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, I'll call redheads. it the damned if you do, damned if you <laughs> don't clause. <laughs> Did you also hear that I called our fans redheads? Oh, my God. You're so <laughs> smart. Oh, my God. This means we can also do Anne of Green Gables someday. Yes. I would. Like in similar like Anne Shirley no chill mode. I would love to do Anne of Green Gables. Anne Shirley has no chill. Anne Shirley has zero chill because I think little girls as a race have no chill. You know what? I was I was getting off the train today and I saw some girls just like running around the the Mm -hmm. platform and like in just in so this like 
14 or 15 year old way when you haven't realized what a raw fucking deal it all is it's so good i was like you go girls go girls do it for aunt kelly (laughs) do it for aunt kelly (laughs) not in not in a bad way no not in a a real in a fun way in a cool aunt way there you go i'd be such a cool aunt gosh you really would be i would be a really you're like the best stepmom or the worst stepmom because like the kid would be like you're not my real mom and i'd be like you're right i'm not i don't have a horse in this race like get (laughs) lost i don't care what happens to you means i get to bang your dad more is that part of your act? Because I've heard you say that before. I think I've said it to you. I haven't done it on stage yet. That's pretty great. I have absolutely heard you say that before. Oh, man. So think about that. Freedom to or freedom from. Uh, yeah, it was we're shopping. What else? Um, we meet some Japanese tourists, oh, which I enjoy because yes. they regard the handmaids as these like oddities. Mm-hmm. And kind of in the way that like Western tourists would like want to like go to a geisha house, you know. Oh, and obviously that's so like interesting. I didn't draw that parallel. It's very different because obviously like the handmaids aren't allowed to like service them in any way. Right. Although you know there's probably like some weird like handmade simulation that these people get into. <sighs> Um, but the Japanese tourists are like asking like, oh, like, are you happy? And like the handmaids are like, what the hell are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Like, what, what do you mean? Um, so it kind of tells you sort of like how far down these women have been beaten. Yeah. Well, just that they're scared to say anything other than. Well, and they can't say that they're not happy because they'll get shot probably. Because we also see in this scene, Mm. there's people hung from the wall. Yeah. So this is all set in Cambridge, Massachusetts. In Harvard Yard. In Harvard Yard. Mm -hmm. So this is like the big wall. Right. And that's where they hang like war criminals and like traitors to the state. So there's an abortion provider. And lesbians. And gender traitors is what they call them. Uh Um. So, like, they stop and, like, they look at them and, like, offer this whole time, like, this is a new shopping partner for her. Mm-hmm. Um, so, she doesn't know her. She doesn't know if she's a true believer mm-hmm. or what the deal. Like, it's yeah. just, you know, wherever you go, you can't be sure essentially what's real and what's not real. Absolutely. And what's kind of interesting, I mean, to that point, do you think we've said enough about the the Japanese tourists? I do. Yeah. Because okay. I think they're very. I also. They're okay. very minimal, but I think they're a really interesting detail. Yeah, and it also is interesting glimpse into the rest of the world. Like, all of the world is not like this. Mm-hmm. It's this part of North America. And they even, they talk about, like, the war is still going on. Mm-hmm. And we don't know where that is exactly. Yeah, but and it tenuous. also sounds like they're, it sounds like all of America has fallen to Gilead. Yeah, it does sound that way. But there are some But they talk about holdouts. throwing them to the colonies. So does that mean, like, the Virgin Islands? Yeah. Does, where is that? All we know is that it is, uh, is polluted with toxic waste. Yeah. So Wow. Sound familiar? <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, but what I was going to say else happens in this chapter. And I. Oh, oh, I think it's this chapter where we first get the glimpse of subversion, isn't it? Or is it in uh, the next mega chapter? Where's the first uh, occurrence of May Day? Is it in this one? I think so. I didn't see it when I just flipped through because I did a full reread, but I didn't mm. quite catch. I underlined it. Let me just make sure. Sh- yeah. So it must be in this chapter or in, in shopping where uh, Off Glen says it's a ma- beautiful May Day, I believe. Yeah. Yes gotta be here somewhere trust uh, it's definitely it's here it's, it's in, in the shopping book. it's in the book at some point <laughs> it has definitely definitely been in the book yeah 
Uh, definitely. Yeah, it's here somewhere. Who cares? <laughs> Who's gonna die? Uh, no one. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so May Day, which we learn later, is the secret phrase that like is supposed to. It's for signal. like the resistance, which doesn't even have like a, there's no name for it. Right. Well, until they call it like the Underground Fem- yeah. Female Road. But that's not even. You learn in the very end in the epilogue, like that there's different movements. I gotcha. So and it's like those, you know, that's that's the route, but it's not the name of the. Okay, group I gotcha. Necessarily. Okay, perfect. Okay. Um. So um, then we get another mega chapter called Night. Yep. And we meet Moira. Yeah. We've seen her name. So mm-hmm. Moira made a huge impact me on me when I read this because I think she was the first out lesbian in a book that I ever read. Oh, interesting. Um, and, you know, I was other ca- than uh, Charlotte uh, from Charlotte's Pride Web Prejudice. Oh. <laughs> Charlotte I, Lucas. I, think oh, is I always thought Charlotte Lucas was asexual, actually. Oh, maybe. I think she likes Elizabeth. But anyway, that's possible. Maybe that's just my head canon. You know, and you know, over. then there's uh, Joe March. You think Joe March, but she loves Lori. Louis- no, she doesn't. You don't? No. no. She doesn't marry him. She wants to. No, and she then doesn't. Amy takes him. Uh, Louisa May Alcott was a big lesbian, though. She was? She was such a big lesbian. You are blowing my goddamn she- gourd. She wrote something to the effect of like, "Oh, how could I ever get married when there's so many like wonderful women to like be friends uh, with?" I think or something I have bad, heard but. that quote before. I um, forgot it was old Louis May Alcott. <laughs> wow, that's great. Um, cool. So yeah, so this was the first lesbian you remember? Yeah, yeah. About? But just I also was just like, "Oh my god, Moira is like so cool." Moira is so Moira's cool. so cool. Yeah, but like, oh, reading it this time, I think it's almost more tragic what happened to Moira. Than what happens. I don't think so. I don't know. I think I, Moira got off better than Alfred. I don't know. I genuinely do. I feel like, though... Okay, you know, I'm not going to talk about this because yeah, wait, it's wait, way wait, ahead. Wait, 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 and I just... Anyway. But so Moira's, like, all punked out. And, like, she's, yeah. like, always, like, bumming cigarettes from people. And, mm-hmm. like, just, like, giving, like, but really massive fun. amounts of shit to Alfred. Oh, yeah, she's so fun. Yeah. She's a blast. Like, she, she like jumps off the page. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, my God. You know, she's like the poochie of. Uh, <laughs> she's the poochie of the handmaid's tale. You got poochie on the brain. This is like the second poochie reference I, you've made when um, we've been talking about this. I talk about poochie <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I was saying boo words. <laughs> That's actually a different episode. I know. I'm just, that is my go-to. Listen, don't make me get pedantic about the Simpsons. Actually, I think my go-to Simpsons quote that I use all the time is, oh, did you say burlap? Anytime <laughs> someone burps. Oh, see, <laughs> mine is, no, my son's name is also Bort. <laughs> no, it's, I'm sorry. I'm going to be pedantic on myself. No, my son is also named Bort. <laughs> All great ones. Or, I am the lizard queen. <laughs> we'll live like kings. <laughs> Damn hell ass kings. <laughs> I love it. Um, so there, this is a very short section because yeah. um, there's like a little bit of an exchange about how Alfred has written a paper about date rape. And they joke yeah, around. That's really weird. They joke around about how it should be called death rape. Like it sounds like, you know. Date rape. Yeah. yeah. Um, so little do I, they know where they're about to move into a society where the only sex is date rapé. Oh, date rapé is And horrible. she like she like has some memories of her daughter here. Ah, that's well they have the memory of her coming to after her daughter has been taken. And she was her. like drugged and just like being insane and this is the other thing why I don't want to have it. Like I don't ever want to love anything this much. 
It just seems really inconvenient. I'm not kidding. I couldn't handle it. Oh my goodness. I've talked to a friend of mine who's like an older woman and mm-hmm. like her, chi- her her children are grown and I have told her I'm like I can't even and she's like it's like walking around without any skin Aww. having children. And I just I can't. I can't even handle myself. Wow. You know? I'm down. With having kids or yeah. yeah, that's cool. Not with having you. I mean, uh, I don't know how that would. Even, I don't know how. I don't know how that would happen, Molly. I want you to come into my body and I, I will birth you out. I don't want to do You'll that. You'll feel good. It'll I, be fine. We'll both grow as friends. Did this just turn into a David Lynch movie <laughs> or like David Cronenberg or both? Why is this happening to me? <laughs> why is this? Why do my friends always offer to birth me? Jeez. Oh God. Yeah, I think that's an interesting. Like I've heard of being born again, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> Well, it, this book talks a lot about how children are a blessing, but they're a liability. Mm-hmm. And I think, to be honest, I think that the bigger, like, classist reading of this book is that children are a liability for poor people. Children have always been a liability for poor people. And they will continue to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, like, the difference is that it's it, well, it, put, that it is... actively, it put Alfred's life in danger. Mm-hmm. But it also saved her, too. To an extent. To an extent. I mean, saved her. Because, I mean, we've heard the doctor say to her, like, you're running out of time. Yeah. So, and and that's the the deal is if you're a handmaid Mm -hmm. and you don't produce a child by the time you're 35, it's off Mm. to the colonies for you. Ugh. Jeez. Horrible. And, uh, yeah. And I think the other thing that's really interesting is that, you know, it's always these, you know, religious groups who have all this money that they pour into Mm. telling their members that having children is good and having Mm -hmm. children is what god wants you Mm -hmm. to do and that human life is sacred um i've been to rehab Mm -hmm. not all human life is sacred right like i'm not kidding like there are people and i'm like you know we could probably not like i for one was excited about death panels (laughs) i was like we're finally gonna get rid of some of this dead weight They're going to die. They better do it. <laughs> Save the surplus of population. <laughs> but I mean. Oh, man. I mean, and okay, you know, and look at what human life does to the planet. Sure. You know, so I'm just <laughs> I'm going through some things clearly, but I just don't think that, you know, human life in and of itself is not an unmitigated good. No, I agree with that we we talked about this on your podcast. Yeah, I, I'm I'm inclined to agree. And. You know, in this situation, it's slightly different because there has been this decline in birth rate, mm-hmm. like to a catastrophic degree. Which is so interesting because that's something that has been talked about in our lifetime as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the idea of like every milk you drink has more hormones. Mm-hmm. So girls are going through puberty faster, but they're also reaching menopause sooner yeah. because of that. So your your fertility window sh- shrinks kind yeah. of in some cases because of the processed foods we eat and the i gotta go get more milk and some twinkies yeah <laughs> let's just let's Dip just I, that's not true that because i didn't start my period till i was 14 interesting right around the time that i read the handmaid's tale really oh man i was so bad at having my period i'm still pretty bad at it <laughs> to be it's been 20 years me too i, I don't think i'm ever gonna get the hang of it <laughs> I just like uh, redheads write in and tell us about your preferred birth control method. Uh, we're very interested to know. Uh, but I've been ringing it for a couple of years now. Yeah. How's that working out for you? It's working great. But it just means that like I can skip my periods. But then uh, the piper comes to collect mm-hmm. like once a year. And then I have like a kink. I may may period, which I'm in the throes of as we speak. Oof, that's rough. Uh, it's pretty bad. I go. Uh, I go all natural. 
No. I do a fertility awareness method. Oh, I th- I thought you were saying you you should, but yeah, you that's what you do. Yeah, I can't do I can't do hormones. Yeah, hormones make me really upset. Like I cry yeah. all the time, oh. and I already cry like seventy five percent of the time. So like I don't need the extra help. For me, it's hard to tell. Like, d- was I always crying and bitchy, or <laughs> yeah? But like <laughs> I I also will get back to back like uh, bacterial vaginosis and oh, yeast infections on a loop until I get vulvodynia, which means pain oh, in the vulva and I girl, can't I use know my what vagina. Vulvodynia means. <sighs> I didn't when I got it. <laughs> I was like, excuse me, <laughs> how can this happen? Wow. So we made it what half an hour into this podcast before we started talking about vaginal. I mean, we've been here for a lot longer than that. I All think. right. So we, we yeah. did our due diligence. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, um, tell us about your vaginal pain. You know, I always go back to Margaret Cho's joke. <laughs> about she's like uh it's amazing how much i don't talk about my period considering how often it happens <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god like we have the washington monument for god's sake we should mm. be allowed to talk about our periods mm, 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 mm. I do. True. I talk about my periods all the time. I use men's breastrooms unapologetically. Forget it. Yeah. I'm, I at, am, I'm at the point of not caring. I had a friend. It was so funny. This friend who was a newlywed who would talk about like shit all the time like poop yeah poop oh, okay like literal poop and diarrhea and stuff with her partner but like whispered to me like hey can you go buy me some tampons it's like oh you need tampons for your period she's like please don't say that in front of my husband because periods are so it. much cleaner than poop yeah yeah i don't i'm not a poop talker really i am um, i will be like as a joke or when i'm having a really bad day and i need to share my pain with somebody i do but it all I really don't talk about that that much. I don't like anybody watching me poop. Oh, God. I don't want anyone in the bathroom with me unless it's my friend and we're like talk peeing. But I would yeah, never I want to love talk peeing. Talk peeing is so fun. You know what? I feel bad for men because I think like the only downside to being a man is that you have to pee in front of each other. Mm-hmm. And like that is so creepy and weird. And mm-hmm. you can't have pee talk. Like you can't. You that can't, is so interesting. You can't do it. And like I think that's why men are awful. Well, that's so funny. Funny you should mention that. Not it's like they have like a communal experience, but they mm-hmm. have to pretend like they're not having a communal oh, experience. That's so fascinating. And they try to keep women separated, but we're like, fuck you. We're going to go in the handicap stall. We'll still talk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's Margaret Atwood noticed that as well, because she talks about it in a later chapter uh, when they talk about how I believe it's when she's meeting Moira in the washroom at school. Um, but they talk about how so much of men's lives are being comfortable with their genitals but not in like a gay way no not in like a communal loving way like the way men look at each other's genitals even as little boys like showing each other their stuff it's very combative and it's very competitive competitive whereas women we don't necessarily do that but we have other rituals like you can't really see it you have to climb under somebody to really (laughs) be like what's going on that's when the slumber party has really gone downhill is when you're like all right let's just look so it's interesting that there's so much like um, there's so much like nudity and genitals in men's lives that are mm-hmm. shared, but the intimacy isn't there. No, and it's like to it is with women. Intimidate them. Yeah, it's to fright them. It's not a loving thing, and it's awful. I yeah. think I th- I would rather be a woman than be a man. Oh God, I would rather be a woman than be anything. I love being a woman. I also love being a woman. Like even I though enjoy like, being a girl. There. <laughs> How lovely to be a woman. <laughs> I know like, even the things that are crappy, but it's like, who wants to be at the top of the pile? <laughs> like in the way that men are like by <laughs> deceit and treachery. Yeah. And you know, I'm not into doing the whole like oppression Olympics thing, but like yeah. name me, name me any subculture where women aren't shat on. 
Yeah. Name me uh, any subculture. Horses. You don't know that. <laughs> oh, come on. You know that those seahorse men are like, oh, this is so hard. Shirley, my back hurts. <laughs> Can you rub it? Please, Shirley. <laughs> Poor Shirley, the put upon like seahorse wife. <laughs> Poor Shirley seahorse. No. <laughs> uh, she could be our mascot. <laughs> Totes. Shirley the seahorse. Got it. Um, okay, so then we move oh, on to oh. So sorry. I think the most the most interesting thing about this chapter is she uh, brings up the idea that she's telling a story, and so yes, because it comes very self aware at points, and this is the first time. Totally. So she says, uh, she 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 addresses that she's telling the story to us, uh, which is great. Hey, it that's totally us. breaks the fourth wall. It is us. Um, but it's it's interesting. So it's like for her, but it's for us. But it's really for us because it's literally a book that we're reading. And she goes back and forth. Like she brings up the idea of her story several times. And then it gets even more mind-blowing at the end when – do we want to talk about the epilogue real, real quick? Yeah, because you know what? Like when I read this in high school, I was like, what the fuck is this i know like, it was so me, mad to me it was like the jr is dead of my life <laughs> or he's not dead whatever the hell happened on dallas i was a child no it was maggie you shot mr burns <laughs> that's what it was spoilers <laughs> whatever um but i was like what but then rereading it this time it was so meaningful to me right like it was so resonant on so many levels i don't want to get into it too much because okay. we'll get into it well let's just get into it in the sense that She's telling us here that she's telling us this story. So it could just be, it's not just her shouting into the void. Mm -hmm. That could be what she thinks she's doing. But Mm -hmm. actually, literally, by virtue of us having purchased a book at Barnes & Noble and read it, Mm -hmm. we're hearing her story. I got mine used. Oh, from (laughs) Jocelyn or whoever (laughs) owned it. But um, Uh, I think it was Lisa. 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 I have your book. Come Come get it. Come get it. Um. But at the end, it's revealed that this is a, a story that was found and is being analyzed by anthropologists. Mm-hmm. So there's so many layers of story within story within story here. It's, yeah. It's fascinating. It's, uh, I love it so much. It's really great. Maggie Atwood, you're so cool. You are so cool, you're Maggie. You're so cool. Oh, you're so cool. Have you ever heard her talk? No. She's so sardonic. Really? Oh, my God. She is just, you would just, like... She's exactly the person you want to be as an older woman. Oh, yeah, she's just so f- and like like her like author photos or she's always like smirking. Yeah, her Scorpio Mona one. Lisa smile. I will say though the best author. She's like, photos- can you even believe this writing scam? Oh my god, <laughs> isn't this a gas? <laughs> I'm will- getting ding gals. <laughs> I will say the best author photos I've ever seen and will ever see in my entire life are Danielle Steele's author photos. <gasps> I have you ever seen, seen them? I'll send it to you. I wrote a whole article when I worked at the Bully Italic about how I love her author photos because they're so pimp. They're like her just like casually in a beautiful car with all these furs and she's just like, what's up? They're great. I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to pat asshole. myself on the back. But she's excellent. <laughs> and her son emailed me one time. So, <gasps> ooh. Not in that way, just oh. to say he liked that. No, <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't swiping right. No, girl. <laughs> okay, so next we have waiting room waiting room this is a chapter that i love because it has the thing that is the number one thing that i remember about the handmaid's tale Mm -hmm. which comes at the very end of it so we're not going to talk about it yet okay uh what i will say is i was in error this is the chapter where mayday gets said oh god damn it 
My bad. Now we have to re-record oh, the whole thing no. so this factual oh, error doesn't go to print. <laughs> We're not printing anything, no. and yet. So, um, we get this fetus funeral. Yeah, there are which some people are having in real life now. This is just they're just they're just. I get it. Like I had a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. I get being sad. Right, but um, well, I don't even begrudge. You know, what, if like it's that. yeah, you know what, if it's a wanted baby, yeah, knock yourself out. Yeah, but the what I, I guess I shouldn't have drawn that parallel because the parallel the fetus funerals we see now that I'm referring to are people saying like if you want to get an abortion you have to have a funeral yeah for these that's what I'm s- for these yeah. cells that got excavated from well your body. and you know it's but weird. a wanted a wanted baby should have a funeral yeah if, if you, you feel, if you, you want to do that, that way because you get to choose you have freedom too ah freedom too um no it's interesting because my I basically okay so this is my former yeah. father-in-law who died before he was my former father-in-law right but like I basically stopped talking to him because he would always rail about abortion on my Facebook page and he would like go on this because like he and his wife had a ton of miscarriages and they had one daughter before my husband was born and Mm -hmm. she died and like at four days old so like very bad so like his whole thing was like I can't believe people are saying Mm -hmm. my daughter was you know worth no more than toenail clippings and it's like nobody's saying that brah yeah, it's like, like you get to, but that's freedom too. It's you have freedom to give whatever meaning goes on in your body. Yeah, give it that meaning. You yeah, know? and nobody's arguing that you should off kids once they're out of your body. No, nobody's saying that. Not even me, and I'm a yeah. monster. <laughs> so that's a false. That's a malapropism. Babies are anyway, so cute. Yeah, I had somebody send me baby a photos ba- in a work email today. Oh. She was like, we were trying to schedule a meeting. She was like, I'm a mom. And I was like, oh, give me pictures. <laughs> Pics? Question mark. <laughs> like, I don't want my own. Yeah, but no, I will look great. at yours. But you're right. That is a totally different thing. Because you can, like you said, it's it's the notion of choice. Mm-hmm. And choi- choosing how you define your mm-hmm. body. And what happens. And we, d- the human race needs to just learn that we're not all ever going to be the same. Yeah. Like, why? Why has this been going on for so long? I'm so tired. I know. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I need a, I need a little cup of coffee. Oh, my God. Um, so we also inter- get introduced to the idea of econo wives, which are <gasps> women, which is funny. So they're women who are the wives of poor men who can't afford midwives. So they do all of like the housework and all of the marital work and they also do the reproductive work. Mm-hmm. AKA a regular wife, maybe. So I don't really see why everyone's like, ooh, econo wives have it bad. It's like where sounds do, just where like do regular. econo wives stay on vacation? <laughs> the econo lodge. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh God. Mm. But what do you think about that? Why I don't get why they say it's such a bad deal to be an econo wife because it just li- literally because just sounds like a wife. To that's me. how they've constructed this society. The point ah. is, is if you're a man with privilege, you should have three. Um. Whereas if you're a man without privilege, you only have this crap wife with a stupid dress with stripes on <laughs> it. <laughs> do you think you get assigned your econo wife? Um, I think they talked about this at some point, but it's like some of them were pre predated. Um, so just a poor person Gilead, already married yeah. or uh i think you still had to like earn the right to have even mm. an econo wife 
yeah, that's right. Because they talk about how Nick doesn't have the right to have a wife yet. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, the sad part is, is you still have to give away your babies. Like, you're make like, as an export. Mm-hmm. So, that's still, you still don't have complete agency. But to me, being an kind of wife seems much, just seems, doesn't seem that bad to me. Yeah, I'm going to be an aunt. Yeah. I've already, I've already solved all my problems. <laughs> now, they say here, I don't understand quite what this means. They say the baby that they're burying is two or three months old which means it's too young to tell whether or not it was an unbaby what does that mean it means she miscarried at two or three months oh, and so they can't tell whether born. whether or not it was a shredder pardon they call later uh babies that don't make it shredders as in they go t- to the no like as in it was a shredder like it was inferior and maybe oh. maybe they do shred it i don't know but it's referred to later as a shredder which I just like. That is so strange because to me, two or three months would be an unbaby because at then it's like at its most cell. No, no, no but their point is their like. point is they don't know if it would have been viable after birth or not. Oh, I see. I okay, think that's here the we point. Go. Yes, I'm on board. Yes, thank you. Okay, because in their you know life starts at conception for them. Right. So you know it's a baby until proven not a baby. I got gotcha. you. We're on track. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> so they talk a little bit about Serena Joy and her life so before Serena, Gilead. Yeah. Serena Joy is like a cross between Tammy Faye Baker and <laughs> Phyllis Shafley. Yes. Um, very explicitly. Yes. And, um, it's just, it's so weird because Phyllis Sh- Shafley is dead now. Schlafly? Mm. She's a real know. bitch. <laughs> um, but you know, it's just this, the idea of a woman who... Um, dedicates her life to telling other women what to do and to submit to men. And then she says somewhere in this chapter, like, you know, it seems like she's not enjoying uh, yeah. that she got, you know, what she was preaching. Well, it says even that she doesn't, en- she didn't enjoy being taken at her word. Yeah, that was what it was. I knew it was like really delicious. It's so, del- there's so many like just gorgeous bits of text here. Um, but yeah, what is interesting about it is that she is preaching women to stay at home while also being a woman that goes on the road by herself mm-hmm. and tours and like is very much not that woman. And she's making all this money yeah. and she's doing all of that by telling them what to do. Totally. So it's, yeah, it's profiting off of subjugation while yourself not being part of it. Yeah. You know, like a politician. <laughs> or a man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Uh, so that's very interesting and they talk about this i found this part kind of interesting is they say some point during her touring someone tried to shoot her uh part of the resistance likely and then it says somebody else planted a bomb in her car but it went off too early though some people said she'd put the bomb in her own car for sympathy so that's funny like even this character who we don't like we're still like oh believe women when they say bad things happen to them yeah (laughs) Or, I mean, t- to be honest, there is the, like, really shitty, like, tiny percentage of the story that's, like, women live in such fear that sometimes they can they can use that fear as a weapon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can weaponize saying that someone tried to hurt you when they didn't. Kind of like how the doctor could have lied and said Alfred had cancer when she didn't. It's like, we, we all have ways of hurting the other person by holding their fear against them. Women just have fewer ways than men do. You can also weaponize a bomb. Of course. Yeah, quite literally. You can weaponize a bomb. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, she's she's terrible, but certainly not unsympathetic. Yeah, and it looks like in the Hulu show, they've really aged both her and the commander down. Yes, I don't like it. I am not here for it. But also, I don't believe for a day that (laughs) Joseph Fiennes isn't fertile. I also don't believe... Well, I mean, this is subjective, but I think he's handsome, and I don't think that the no, the commander is not supposed to be handsome. He's at least supposed to be old. You know who should play the commander is either you'd reminded me of his name when I said it earlier, but uh, the king from the crown, Lane Price, Lane Price. Uh, Yeah, that's who I know. His real name is Jared Harris. (laughs) Or so I think either Lane Price should play him, or the guy from Downton Abbey who was the old guy. That Edith was going to marry, but who ditched her. Oh, Anthony Strallen? Yeah. Whose real name I don't know. Because they both have that, like, old man, like, I'm trying to be nice, but I'm also very, you know, inept, and I think I'm powerful, but you I'm know, not. You know who I always picture, actually, is Ed Begley Jr. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the same, similar feeling. I don't know. I don't know if he could play it straight. <laughs> oh, what's the deal with hand, handmaidens? <laughs> you think this is bad. <laughs> so um so that's interesting tell us your dream uh casting of of the handmaid's tale of the handmaid's i'm gonna have to do that in another episode i have literally not even thought about it like i'm i'm just like so excited about the show i'm so excited even though i don't like the way they age like i think elizabeth moss might be perfect i think elizabeth moss is perfect i think she's so perfect oh my gosh i can't get it out of my head i think she's excellent Um, except for you know what let me just say something Scientology, notwithstanding, because I have a big issue with that. I like Elizabeth Moss so much as an actress, and I think she's so cool. But she always plays rules. She always plays roles where she's a woman that just has a bummer time. Have you watched Top of the Lake? Yes, I've watched Top of the Lake. the biggest bummer, but I love it so much. I hate it. Oh, my God. I love GJ. Top of the Lake is so boring. Oh, I hate that. Oh, my God. You're so wrong. I watched it all. That's the only thing where I'm like, I hated it, but I kept watching because I was like, her brother's kind of hot. Uh, you're so wrong she doesn't beautiful. even have a brother okay like the girl had a brother that elizabeth no. moss was boning that's not but oh remember. right no don't spoil it for people <laughs> it's still relatively new it, it's you don't like when uh, holly hunter says things no when she says hey listen you ready for this <laughs> that's the kind of old woman that you are gonna be i know living in a bunker <sighs> and i'm gonna be like the lady who and she uh, smokes so great yeah <sighs> i'm gonna be the one lady in the background who's always naked that'll be me oh uh, or the lady that like that had made the, the monkey g- yeah or i'll be the lady that like made the guy like hose off before having sex with her <laughs> i would be that lady too that was so great she was but so anyway, efficient anyway i want elizabeth moss to have a role where they're like elizabeth moss is the coolest girl in town she gets pedicure she eats ice cream she holds puppies she just has a great time because i think she's great but she maybe, always plays these like hard sad women maybe that's what she wants to I do i know i want it i just want her Don't. elizabeth moss if you're listening please i just want you to be happy and i want she, you to have a beautiful life and i maybe, hope that you're doing that may, don't violate her consent molly oh my god you're right i'm sorry elizabeth <laughs> i love you in Mad Men. i'm so sorry i saw her play heidi in the heidi chronicles on broadway which you probably know nothing about because no. you don't have a bfa in acting no my she mom was, wouldn't let me she was so great really your mom was smart uh she's she an was, excellent actress she was so great but jason biggs played the male <laughs> lead and he was so very bad it was one of the worst things i've ever seen he's so cute but he's really got a, a it, limited it range. was embarrassingly terrible oh, man anyway okay so, so, but redheads, if you're listening, feel free to tweet us. What do you mean? If they're they're clearly listening, it could just be my mom. You could mean thousands. <laughs> exactly. We're <laughs> telling this story for you. 
redheads uh tell us your dream casting tweet at either of us yeah yeah at the fatling at serious molly okay so seamless (laughs) so we've been talking forever yeah we were gonna limit to this to a half an hour sheesh okay and we we've very much not done that but that's okay that's all right we're like 110 what should we do should we stop no we should keep going and and then then we should stop okay (laughs) we should keep keep start at the beginning and when you get to the end stop exactly (laughs) all right what else about this chapter um this mega chapter. Ooh. Oh, and this is so the commander's like lurking outside of her room, mm-hmm. and you're like, and this is the first time you see him creeping. She's referenced him a few, and he's just like, he's just in the hallway, and then he goes, and she realizes that she called her room hers, <gasps> even though like nothing is hers. Ugh. Um. Yep. And we get some some background on Luke. Uh, yeah, we get, well, the idea that, yeah, so Luke was married before they got together mm-hmm. and they used to meet in like hotel rooms and she would like go through the hotel rooms while she was waiting for him to mm-hmm. come bone yeah, and like, just like study everything in the room. So when she got the room that is not hers exactly, but she, she actually, she decides that she's going to call it her room, but she has gone through everything and you know, she, there's like a little cushion that says faith next to the window mm-hmm. and she gets into the closet and she finds scratched into the floor a phrase in ah. Latin that says Nolite te bastardis carborundorum. Yep. And she doesn't know what it is. Easy for you to say. It is not. <laughs> I guarantee you it is not. Um, and she says it was scratched in with like uh, a, pin a pin or a or, fingernail. And the thought of scratching something so long with my fingernail literally makes me so physically viscerally uncomfortable. Um. Yeah, and I'm looking for going back to I mean, just the idea of uh Offred having had an affair with Luke while well, he was still married. I guess that's the only way you can have an affair. Um is is so funny because she's always the third person. Mm-hmm. Right? So she's the third person. A legend, a legend, <laughs> a third wheel legend. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's for Mr. Show. Um no. Oh. Oh. Mm. You're so far away. Is it? Why Y'all are brutalizing me. It's, it's David Cross, <laughs> but it's not that. That's close, though. Good, good job, you. I just listened good to that job. this morning. Um, but she's so she's the third. She's the third in his relationship with his wife. She's the third in the Commander and Serena Joy's relationship. She's the third with the Marthas. She's third with the Marthas. She's the third potentially if like Moira. Had a lover, mm-hmm. like she'd be the third on she's that. She's so with her mother and her mother's politics. Totally, or she's even never, her mother's. Friends. She's like never anybody's first choice, except the only person that I think belonged to her is her daughter. Yeah, and that's why it's that's why I think it defeats her. I mean, other than just the idea of mm-hmm. losing a child yeah. makes you feel skinless. Like she totally mm-hmm. lost the only thing that belonged to her. The only thing that the only duo she was in, really. Yeah, yeah. So that's significant. I think. Um, now I have y'all are brutalizing me <laughs> stuck in my head. Because it's, it's so great. Oh, it's um, so good. Um, so this is where my favorite thing comes in. Mm. Um, so Cora brings in her dinner. Cora's mm. the nicer of the two Marthas. Mm-hmm. Reed is the one who seems to do the cooking, and Cora does a lot more of the fetching of things. Mm-hmm. So she brings her, like, this chicken thigh, and she's like, it's overdone. Mm-hmm. Although the only other way she does it is bloody, which mm-hmm. is like you're not probably getting the nutrition that you need no. to sustain a human life. Or she, I mean, they talk a lot about how Rita doesn't like her. Like that's like the tiniest way you could kill someone mm-hmm. is like by giving them salmonella, yeah. you know. But um, as soon Sorry. as Cora leaves, she she doesn't want to eat 
mm-hmm. I think she says, but she um she can't hide the food anywhere. Yeah. But so she takes the butter mm-hmm. and about half the butter and hides it in a shoe. Mm-hmm. Um which she's later going to use as lotion. Mm-hmm. And that to me, I think when I, when I think of this book, like that's the strongest like memory that I really? have of when I was a girl reading this and I was like, that is seriously messed up. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, I mean, they talk about her so much in, I believe the next chapter when they're really getting her ready or in this one too. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk about her in so many like food, um, ideas like they say she goes into the bath that's warm as stew mm-hmm. and uh i can't remember there's there's her being like flowered as they put like the powder on mm-hmm. her and so like she's very much like an offering of or something to an eat. animal sacrifice yeah exactly oh it's so it's so interesting and scary and horrifying but beautifully written like it's a beautifully oh, written book. god just just like brutally and beautifully written y'all oh. are brutalizing me <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly yes cut it print it absolutely <laughs> um and that's uh, oh they also talk about like there's a, something to be said about how hair defines femininity but also agency like the idea oh, wow. that like well, there's always been the idea of covering your hair mm-hmm. is modest because mm-hmm. your hair is so sexual. And that's such that's such a funny thing because, like, I think there's so many things. Yeah, mostly hair is gross. Yeah, right? <laughs> How sexual it is when you find it in your lasagna. Like, How sexual it is to eat all your hair. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> I forget. Oh, so just that's I think uh, your hair being sexual is such like a biblical thing. But it's also one of those things that you can just imagine like the little girls that came before us who were like, no, you have to cover up your hair. You don't want to tempt mm-hmm. someone, mm-hmm. which is funny because I think little girls get accused of tempting people with things they didn't even realize were sexual because they're not. There are things that are being made sexual by other people. And the I think hair is like a huge example the of world that. Is so depressing it's so depressing. Um, so she talks about wearing the veil over her hair. Oh, and the idea that it would be scary even now to shave her hair. Because Aunt Lydia says there's two options. You have long hair that you cover or we shave your head. And so she talks about a movie that she saw where women are being shaved in the square, which I have. I have a visceral memory of this movie. But I don't remember what it is. I think it's a World War Two movie okay. where they capture a, a village okay. in like Germany and they shave the women's hair. I believe that. And so that is a scary like thing. And it's like if you look at biblical hair, Samson's mm-hmm. hair is tied to his power. Well, like, and it's also interesting because um, she doesn't have a mirror even. Yeah. Like she can't even look in a mirror. Nor does she look at her body. But ever. she has... You can feel your hair. That's right. Yeah. I don't want to alarm you. You can feel your hair. Is there something on my head right There's now? There's something on your head right now. <laughs> That's the worst is when you like feel something so lightly on your arm and you freak out thinking it's a spider and it's like, it's just your hair. I mean, my hair is very short now, but oh, I, yeah. know, I know I used to have you sister wife hair. So. <laughs> sister wife hair. It was very sister wifey. It went down to my oh. butt. So and that's uh that's the end. That's the end of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Sorry so, we went so long, but we just were getting into it. Oh, I could talk to you forever. Oh, I could. Too. I just could talk to you forever. Let's run away together. <laughs>
kinda, to escape the hordes of oppression. Anyway, but we'll be back. We'll be back. With more red all over. Uh, uh, Nolite yeah. te bastardes carbidorium. Oh, I was trying to do under pressure, but. Oh, under pressure. <laughs> to fit inside society <laughs> with a patriarchy. All right. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>